I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. I don't think. Because you survived a car wreck? You folks ready to order? I didn't just survive a wreck. I wasn't just blown up yesterday. I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. Oh, really? And every morning I wake up without a scratch on me, not a dent in the fender, I am an immortal. Special today is blueberry waffles. Why are you telling me this? Because I want you to believe in me. You're not a god. You can take my word for it. This is 12 years of Catholic school talking. I could come back if you're not ready. How do you know I'm not a god? <laughs> oh, please. How do you know? Because it's not possible. Oh, come Guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Run podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSplitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? We're doing pretty well. Um, I feel like we've done this before, though. Honestly, I feel like we did this yesterday for a little bit, and uh, unfortunately, the the episode didn't go as planned. But I feel like we also were supposed to do this last week, and we never did it. Getting a little bit of deja vu here. Is uh, is today? Is today Groundhog Day. No, that was last week. Yeah, so. Damn. Yeah, we missed our Groundhog Day episode. We missed the actually getting it out for the holiday. I don't know. Somewhere along the line, I I uh, made a mistake in our calendar, and uh, I guess I didn't factor in a, a week or something like that because I missed Groundhog Day. So I, we kind of got off. Like I had planned that we were going to do an episode for Groundhog Day, and we were going to have it up for Groundhog Day, and I planned that we were going to have an episode for... Um, uh, Valentine's Day as well, and technically this week should be the Valentine's Day episode, so I don't know what happened, but I apologize for getting that wrong. Yeah, there was nothing better than seeing your, uh, your text on Groundhog Day, like, fuck it! <laughs> oh shit, we, we were supposed <laughs> to do Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah. But you did say in two weeks, so you did say, like, you know. I know. Which, which... You know, it's okay that we're doing it now, but we, we're usually early birds, you know. Mm-hmm. Halloween's coming. Do two months of it. Start in September. Sure. You know, Christmas is coming. Start in December. Beginning in December. Leprechaun. I mean, St. Patrick's Day. Always on the month. <laughs> Leprechaun. I know. We, we fucked up. I fucked up this time. Messed it up. I'm sorry. I apologize. But, you know what, that just means that you get to relive Groundhog Day all over again, and it's very thematic with the movie, so why not? Wait, we're doing the movie Groundhog Day? Yeah, we're doing the movie Groundhog Day. But didn't we do this movie before? No, we did Scrooge before. Oh, yeah, then you know what? <laughs> Which, by the way, I, I've seen Groundhog Day a bunch of times. It's probably been like a good decade since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Man, it's fucking Scrooge. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. I was thinking... You know, and not, and not, it's not like, you know, this is directed by Harold Ramis and co-written by Harold Ramis. And it's not like he did Scrooge. 
but they are very, very similar. And, you know, they have that common denominator, Bill Murray here. I think it's just the Bill Murray effect because, like, it's Bill Murray's being play Bill Murray. And, you know, you know he, he even has. An, he, say he's an asshole and, you know, who needs to have a life lesson to learn to be a better person. Yeah. I mean, he even has the, um, like, the same type of job, too, because in Scrooge, you know, he's working in television and here he's working as a reporter. Um, they're all very similar. So it does feel a lot like, like an extension of that. And even so, like there's also the gimmickiness of it too, right? Like Scrooge is obviously a Christmas Carol, but, uh, you know, it's told in a different manner and Groundhog Day has its gimmick too, except this was one of the pivotal moments of the repeat the same day over and over again, film genre. Um, we've only done one of those previously. We did, um, uh, Happy Death Day, which is a, basically a, you know, a reimagining of Groundhog Day, but as a horror movie. But honestly, this is a gimmick, but it is a it, an effective one, especially for its time frame. Uh, in 1993, it's a it's a gimmick that works for it, and it has been replayed over and over again, and um, still continues to be a, a gimmick that works, especially like uh, there's. Recently, there was a, a TV show called Russian Doll that did the very, uh, like a sim- really similar thing, and they used it as like a time jump sort of thing. Uh, it's a it's an interesting idea that I I think works really well in this movie. And what we're really talking about with Groundhog Day too, it's a rom com. It's a it's a rom com. Would you agree? Would you would you classify it as a rom com? It's a gaslight rom com. Yeah, pretty much. I mean. It's a it's a movie about uh, a meet cute between a guy and a girl, and mm-hmm. ultimately it ha- you know it has that sort of gimmickiness that a rom com would have of like you know a certain thing occurs or a certain you know a certain element to it, and then they event he eventually gets the girl and they they get together. It's a rom com. It's a Bill Murray rom com. It does feel kind of weird now watching Groundhog Day, you know, and knowing Bill Murray's uh, behind the scenes antics a little bit more. You know, obviously people kind of, you you kind of figured Bill Murray's probably an asshole behind the scenes. But, you know, knowing now, you know, the, the kinds of sexual harassment that might have occurred behind the scenes with Bill Murray. It's a little bit weird watching Groundhog Day. And as you said, noting the fact that this is basically a movie about gaslighting a woman. Um, who has no idea because there's it's not possible. There's a science fiction element to this, so so it feels a little weird. Feels a little funky. Yeah, you said you you've seen Groundhog Day before. I've seen it before as well. Uh, I've seen it a bunch of times. I used to play it on Comedy Central every now and then. I've seen it uh, probably maybe like twice, but I don't. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, I, I haven't seen it uh, very recently. It's probably like ten years ago the last time I saw it. So it was nice to relive it and relive these, you know, these late 80s, early 90s comedies, uh, especially ones with Bill Murray. So, yeah. All right. um, Let's take a break first before we get into the movie itself. Talk about the beer that we do or don't have on the show today. (laughs) The beer that we were supposed to have on the show. We tried it. Yes. We tried to do the show yesterday. We're having some technical difficulties, so we weren't able to do it. And we ended up drinking the beer that we had on the show, especially the one that Martin had because... I gave Martin two, but um, I have a whole pack of them, so I, c- I can dig in as much as I want, but Martin already drank his too, so he's going to go for memory on this one. Um, 
But the beer that we have on the show today, and what I wanted to do um, is the new Fat Tire Ale from um, New Holland, which if you know New Holland, they, they have generally made the Fat Tire Amber Ale for, I think, probably most of their brewing career. Um, and unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, they've decided to change the recipe of their Fat Tire. Um, they're no longer making it an Amber Ale. It's actually going to be a... Um, I don't. I guess it's a golden ale, is what they're technically calling this. Um, it's it's basically like a fairly um, mild pilsner esque sort of beer. Um, and I think, as you said that, I think it does tend to take on a little bit of a Miller Ladian uh, note to it, um, which is funny because on the website it says you know it's a cl- you know classic ale. What's the fucking classic ale? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I I think it's considered a blonde or a golden, um, and I think so. Like it's interesting that they're changing the recipe at this point in their careers. You know, I think that um, at at a certain point, the a brewery gets to this point where they either need to change their flagship or seek out like a different t- sort of label for what they're going to focus on. A lot of the the breweries you'll see now are starting to focus on these um, series, right? So like um, the IPA series, their their lager series, and and they're boiling down their main beers into like various series so that they're easier to discuss and they're easier to market. So if you 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 want to say like you know the Voodoo Ranger series, um, those are you know what you're talking about with those. Those are all IPAs, but they're all different types of IPAs within that series. Um, I think a lot of brewers are starting to go that route. And so with Fat Tire, um, I don't know if they're like trying, New Belgium is trying to do a, like a different sort of uh, lineup or series, but for whatever reason, they felt the need to change up the Amber Ale, potentially because people aren't drinking very many Amber Ales at this point. It's a kind of an odd weird, a, a odd beer to have as your flagship beer. I think I think it's probably stuck around, and we've had had New Belgium stuff regular fat tire before, yep. and I think we've done it on the podcast. It's a, it's a pretty good the amber ale, and I think the change is mainly just because at this point, I mean, as good and as good as a beer as that amber ale was, I don't think anyone's really buying it anymore, mm-hmm. and that's why they're feeling the need to kind of change things up. I mean, Sam's has been tinkering with their shit constantly. And same thing with like Saranac around here. Pale Ale's still around because, you know, they're not going to let it go. But you can see how like a lot, especially like these older craft breweries and like New Belgium, like Saranac, like Sam Adams, you know, their flagship is from yesteryear, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. You know, same thing with like Sierra Nevada, like their flagship still technically the pale ale. How much the pale ale sells compares into like hazy little thing? Probably not as much, but I think, you know, they probably still can justify keeping it on the market, mm-hmm. you know, and keeping it in their variety packs like Sam's does with the Boston Lager or Sam 76 when they're, you know, trying to make that like the new flagship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to kind of justify it because 
you know, we're over 10 years now into IPA heaven and they're just, it's gr growing more and more. So I can see why they changed it to something different. I don't know if it would have been necessary. I think they may probably could have just uh, came out with a new beer, but we I don't really drink New Belgium that much to begin with, so. Yeah, I mean, I do th I do I think it's interesting that they decided like they were going to change the flagship. I, I personally for me, I probably would have preferred that they didn't change the recipe so whole wholeheartedly like this and they just kind of went with a new beer. Uh if they truly did want to make just like a, you know, a golden ale or something like that and make it their their major beer at this point. Um, maybe they just felt weird about phasing out fat tire entirely. Like if they weren't going to make an amber ale, maybe they felt weird about um, getting rid of that beer and calling some and having something else become their flagship. I don't know. What I will say though is that I think that this, you know, the new fat tire recipe is really good for what it does. A golden ale. It's very mild. It's um, got a nice little maltiness to it. Just, uh, you know, a vagueness of hops there. Um, you know, it's kind of got a nice backbone to it just a little bit on a bitter side and and uh but at the same time it's something like when somebody comes in and they're like you don't have you don't have coors you don't have coors in a bottle they're like no i don't have coors but we do have this new fat tire ale it's basically like that but in an ale form i think that that's where they're kind of looking to market this is to to the people that aren't necessarily interested in the weirdness of craft beer at this point that they're marketing it to the the more mass uh, domestic beer drinking people who might enjoy something like this and, and at the same time it might get them out of their comfort zone just a tad you know it's a little bit different it's hey it's an ale it's not a lager it's an ale um it might get them out of their comfort zone just enough to like try something else and kind of get into the craft beer world so i don't know if that's their intention i don't know if they've really come out with their intentions too much I just uh, seen one of the guys that I watched that's, uh, you know, like a, a beer reporter had talked about um, how they were changing the recipe up. And I knew it was coming and I saw it in the store and I wasn't sure at the at first because they had both. They had the amber ale and they had the new fat tire ale. And it was, it's not clear on the box either. When you see the fat tire ale, it's not clear like this is, it doesn't say new recipe. It's not like there's a big, you know, stamp on it. New recipe. This is not the amber ale that you're used to. Uh, it's just they change the box up and they change the labeling. Um, and they don't call it, and they just call it Fat Tire Ale now. Um, so that's really your only cue that that's what you're getting. So different type of box. I think it's like a bluish box now instead of whatever it used to be. Um, and a nice, like, very plain label to it. Um, very, very simple, but uh, it works really well. And overall, I'm I'm satisfied with what this is. The The one thing that I will say is, like, I don't know that I would, you know, be open to like coming back to fat tire, like over and over again. Like would I, would I really seek it out and be like, I got to have this in my house all the time? Probably not, but I think it's a really good beer for what it does. Um, I, the only thing I can say is it might anger those people who truly did have amber ale all the time. Um, if you're expecting that you order a fat tire and they bring out this, you're going to be a little pissed off if you haven't heard the news. So it's the only thing I can think of for the downsides and you agree um i didn't really give you a chance to discuss your opinion on the beer itself um no, we don't have it in front of me but in front of you you were quite winded um <laughs> um 
It's funny on their website for the apparel, they still have the old fat tire can on there. Uh huh. The, the amber ale book. Um, I liked it quite a bit. I think it's you know really crisp, really refreshing. Uh a little bit more bodied because it is technically an ale, like like a golden ale, blonde ale. A uh, little bit more uh, complexity there, a little bit more yeasty. Uh, it's very good. I like it a lot. I would compare it to something like like a classier, even though they're not the same style beers. But I would compare it a bit to Miller Lite or uh, Founders Solid Gold. Uh, it's very good. I think it'd probably be really good too, like the Cerveza style with like a lime. Uh, I liked it quite a bit, but I think the fact, you know, that you're probably going to be paying like 20 bucks for a 12 pack is going to always kind of make, you know, no matter how much I think it's pretty good, it's, you know, um, it's going to be hard to justify, you know, buy it on the reg. So, but I would say give it a try. It's, you know, I like when craft breweries, whether they're big or small, you know, do stuff like this because it's not that I'm IPA'd out, but I mean, you can only fucking, you know, Sierra Nevada's doing it now with like the hazies, you know, they got a juicy little thing. It's the same goddamn thing as a hazy little thing, except in a different can. And the fact they have the gall to call it something different, you know, it's kind of annoying. So I like when they do things like this that are, you know, more in your lawn mowing beer tier, you know, mm -hmm. playing beer league softball and you, just hit a double and you come around the score after and you're like, I, I need I need to quench my thirst. <laughs> Have a fat tire. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very solid. It's you know, it's not gonna pull a lot of craft drinkers to it, but at the same time, I think it will do the opposite. It'll pull a lot of people who might not be into craft beer. Uh you might you might check this out and think, Well, this is a nice little segue from what I'm used to drinking. It's definitely a beer that's got the vibes of when you're at Applebee's and you sit down and you're about to say, I'll have a Coors Light. And you're like, hold on a second there, partner. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> I agree. It is. It is. It's one of if those I, segues. If, wait, this, if, if, I don't say my, if I don't say my spiel, I'm going to have to give you a free drink. Yeah, you're going to so, get, get a $10 Applebee's card if we don't, if we don't say it. It says it right on the table. And you know, you know Jane over there is eyeing it. She's looking at that sign thinking... I hope this bitch didn't say this that spiel. <laughs> I agree, I though. Can, I agree. You know, it's, it, it's funny because I can always see, like, your parents sitting there like, Ah! Got him! They didn't fucking say it! They didn't say it! Yep. Let's go. Get our free beer. Like, you know, I would never, like, even if they forgot to say it, like, say it, and I'm not, I would never point that out. I would never be like, oh, excuse me, sir. Yeah, they didn't tell me this give me the sale, you know, the sales pitch on the Labatt Blue, so I believe I'm entitled to a free Labatt Blue 20-ounce glass. I would never do that. That's just... Uh. <laughs> it's icky, huh? Yeah, no, I, I agree, though. I think this is one of those things where, like, the Applebee's people are like, we're going we're gonna to sell these fat tire ales. We've just got a new shipment in. They really want us to get these out. So they're doing this marketing program, and you know, the the first thing is somebody sits down and they're like, I'll take one of your domestics. You market them the fat tire ale. You say, it's really similar. I think you'll like it. I think you'll really like it's it. A, it's out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Yep. That's as domestic as you get. Yep. 
I think you're right on that. It's a good marketing technique for New Belgium. If they haven't thought of it, they re- they truly should listen to you. <laughs> Pair up with all these TGIF Fridays. Some some guy at the New Mar- New Belgium PR is sitting there listening. He's saying, "Get Applebee's on the phone." <laughs> Ruby Tuesday too. <laughs> what about TGIF Fridays? Yeah, TGIF Fridays. I was thinking that Chili's. Huh, Chili's kind of out of our demographic, don't you think? What about Fuddruckers? <laughs> Or the ninety nine. Ninety nine, there you go. <laughs> Actually Harpoon already has them on the on the uh Oh on the dole. Yeah, the Harpoon I think does all their um their ninety nine exclusives. Um because they do like the horseshoe ale. Harpoon does all that. Well I'll do that. Yep. So I haven't I haven't been the ninety nine fucking years. And they they used to do like a rotating series too. I remember they had a watermelon one at one point. Yeah, I think Harpoon does all those. God, that's another brewery we have to do. We love that we have done eons. When's the last time we sat down and like, I'm gonna buy a harpoon? They haven't really been coming out with a whole lot of stuff. Not that I've noticed. Well, the website says they got juicier hazy IPA. It's called juicier hazy. Yeah. Oh wow! Throw all the keywords. (laughs) Throw all the keywords in there. How can we get both hazy and juicy in this? They're available now. Is not they got wow. They got like nothing for their available now. It's just the juicier hazy IPA, the their imperial stout, a New England pale ale, their harpoon IPA, the rec league. See that's what See, I, that's what I was saying. They don't do that much anymore. They don't make any. They don't. They're not making as much anymore. I don't know if they've cut back or what. I don't think I've bought it out. They may have. All right, let's get on to the Groundhog Day episode, though. Let's 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 talk about this. Let's get into it a little bit. Groundhog Day is, like we said, a st- pretty standard Bill Murray movie from the late '80s, early '90s. Bill Murray plays Bill Murray, an asshole who knows in this movie that he's an asshole. I think there's a point, uh, one point where he actually even says like he's an asshole. And yes, uh, he does. Yeah. And he is a guy that, you know, honestly, I can kind of see why he's an asshole, though. Like, he keeps getting, he's a, he's a weatherman reporter. He keeps getting assigned to do fucking Groundhog Day in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Keeps getting assigned it. He's it's like the fourth year in a row that he's got to go there. And, you know, I can kind of get it from a reporter's standpoint. Like, you get assigned, you, you, when you start out as a reporter, you're like, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the big breaks. We're going to cover, you know, mafia hits in the city. He's, they're in uh, what, like Philadelphia, right? Pittsburgh. No, Pittsburgh. I mean, you're gonna cover. He's gonna cover all the big, big stories. And then, no, what do you get? What do you end up getting assigned to? Does the groundhog come out of the, out of a hole in a wall and see his shadow? And you've got to act excited about it. Yeah, every year, and not, and every year he does see his shadow. <laughs> every year he does. So you've got to act surprised about it. Look like, what? Six more weeks again? This, we've been having a little balminess lately. How could he? How could it possibly be six more say, weeks winter? Listen, you are right. I can't remember the last time that little bastard's come out, and it's not bad. Oh, six more weeks of winter. It's always six more weeks of winter. As far as I, as far back as I can remember, he always comes out and he sees his fucking shadow <laughs> every time. Yeah, 
I mean, I would I would love to be betting on uh uh what was I say I would love to bet on that on like a fucking like sports gambling and yeah, you're gonna get a fence and just like well, what would Pucks Tony feel say? He's gonna say six more weeks of winter. You probably wouldn't get very much for it and be like, yeah, everybody says everybody bets on that. Terrible odds on those. But anyway, yeah. So so Bill Murray he, and not only does he plays Phil as well. So the the groundhog's name is Phil. Bill Murray plays Phil. So, but anyway, he so he plays this guy. I can kind of understand why he gets pissed off about that. Yeah. Well, I could. I'm on the Puxatawney Groundhog Club website right now. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, 2016, he did not see his shadow. Oh, my God. What? And 2013 as well. And 2011. So I guess we're just negative Nancys. I guess so. I so, But seriously, though, in the past, what, decade, he's only seen it three times? They haven't listed. They haven't. From 1886 to 2017, they haven't listed. God bless this website. I know, right? They're just really good uh, custodians of the, the groundhog. It comes with the top hat that you have to wear. <laughs> That's right. So Bill Murray heads to this, you know, he heads to Punxsutawney, and he is this, uh, he has his trio, or his, his duo, I'm, I should say, his duo of uh, cameraman Chris Elliott and uh, his producer Rita, by, played by Andy McDowell. They had what a, a what, what a missed opportunity too for the cameraman to tie it into Scrooge to have uh, Bobcat Gold uh, yeah Bobcat Goldwaite uh, show up in this yeah yeah missed opportunity. I like Chris Elliott in this though. <clears throat> but you know who didn't get a missed opportunity in this film? Who's that? Brian Doyle Murray. That's true. He's in. He's in here. He gets, he, and actually, he you know he doesn't have his normal like uh, mustache type uh, persona on either. He's playing like this kindly old guy who's just like excited about the groundhog. He's just like the groundhog's coming out of his, his hole. And be careful, the groundhog. The poor man's been old since like the late. I know. <laughs> it kind of it's kind of must run in the family genes because you know kind of, Bill Murray has always kind of looked like an older guy. Even in his younger days, too. You know, he's always kind of looked middle-aged, at least. Brian Doyle Murray has, like, the later... The, the the problem with looking like he's in, like, his 60s at every point in his career. He's like Steve Martin, just yeah. perpetually, you know, for... Even though Steve Martin looks great, but, I mean, just, like, perpetually old, just... I know. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see him here, you know, and, and, and uh, at one point, too, he, like, saves him from uh, choking, too, right? Yeah, so he gets a nice he gets a couple nice cameos in here. It's more t- get gets more time than he normally does in some of the other movies that he's in with Bill. Um, so they go to this they go to this Punxsutawney Phil uh place and they are supposed to cover Phil coming out of his hole and stuff like that. And he, they, we we basically progress through that whole day as you know you would expect, and then all of a sudden Bill Murray wakes up and it's still the same Groundhog Day, and I think the first time we get to see that is probably the best part where he's like just trying to figure out what the hell's going on he's like you guys played that tape yesterday on the radio and then he's looking out he's like people are assembling again what's going on <laughs> so it, you know him relieve, reliving that first day is a really great uh experience and then as he kind of goes through again and again we get to see like different perspectives of what he's going to do on those days 
Like, because he knows, like, I can't really, I'm not figuring out a way to break this. So I'm just going to go and do a bunch of shit that I feel like doing. And at first he starts off womanizing, of course, like sets up a, sets up a nice little date with a young lady that's at the, at the, uh, Nancy Taylor. Yep. And it's, uh, it's pretty funny too. And you shared that meme with me just before we watched this movie. It's pretty hilarious when he goes up to her and just asks her like, oh, what's your name? She's like, Nancy. Nancy Taylor. Where'd you go to school? <laughs> it just keeps going down. Let's say the, let's say the night the nineties were amazing. Just give them out your whole fucking yeah. <laughs> your bio, like Nancy Taylor. Hey, what school did you go to? What? What school did you go to? I went to this school. Oh, that school. Who was your twelfth grade English teacher? Oh yeah. But it's funny though because it's a play on the fact that when he runs into Ned Ryerson every time when he's like, "No, nah, it's me," you know from. From we went to school and I shot the shit out of my belly button and I asked your sister to prom until you told me to stop asking her. And you know, he doesn't want to deal with them and Yeah, it's the same same idea. <laughs> yeah. But he's using it for, you know, getting ladies. Yeah. I mean, and not only that, but like it is funny too that uh it works in this scenario. Like see, all he really needed to know was those three things and he meets her at the you know, at the, at the the Groundhog Day ceremony, and that's it. That that like gets him in. That well, because he's a weatherman. So then she's like, she's like, who the hell are you? And he rattles off that info, and then she's you know she's gaslit in from there. It's like, oh yeah, I remember you. You Still, know, though, it's not that impressive. <laughs> like to just be like, oh okay, I'll go to bed with you. You're you're a two bit weatherman on a Pittsburgh TV station. You know, because even Rita says, like, she wants to move on from here. She doesn't want to just do the news in Pittsburgh. Well, she's a fucking filthy hippie, so. (laughs) She is what modern-day Colorado's like. So, you know what? Actually, you know what? The the New Belgium pick might have been spot on, right? There you go. Yeah, so he he like he does this, you know, his this his womanizing. He kind of you know d- experiments with that. At one point, he becomes Clint Eastwood <laughs> and shows up at the movie theater dressed up as Clint Eastwood with a, a woman in her maid outfit. It seems like a lot of fun. And then eventually, he starts to get kind of worn down of repeating a date, which I can totally understand. And I think this movie has a really uh, interesting way of going about it, like. It is an hour and 40 minutes long. At, at times, I did was sitting there thinking, like, this movie is a little bit too long. Like, I was thinking, man, it just keeps going. It kind of, like, could use some cutting. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit too long for itself. And then I was like, that's ingenious. <laughs> We're right there with them. We're ready for this day to be over with. And yet it just keeps going. So I kind of I kind of get that. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit on the long side. But at the same time, it's kind of intentional and thematic. And it works with the movie. One of my favorite parts uh, is when he uh, tries to save that old guy, the the old homeless guy, and he, you know, a couple times he like goes through. He, he sees the old guy, gets him to the hospital. He still dies. He's trying to save him in the streets. Gives him a nice warm meal and stuff. He still dies. And then after that, the movie forgets about this guy. It's like, yeah, <laughs> guess he's fucked, man. Can't save. Well, because you tried twice. You got, well, because you got the nurse saying sometimes it's just sometimes time. they're just old. No, that's how she says it, though. It's not. It's just their time. She's like, 
he was just old. I don't know. She, like the nurse, you don't have much faith in the hospital when the person comes out and you're like, are you with the old guy? I'm like, yeah. It's like, he didn't make it. Like, well, what happened? I don't know. He was just old. I don't know. No, no, no. No, no, no one knows no, what happened. No, no. The right, the right answer is he's 75 living out on the streets in the freezing cold and hasn't had a meal. <laughs> That's why he died. No, you but like, uh, you... Po poverty killed him. You're, <laughs> you're expecting a little bit more from, you know, the nurse or the doctor who's coming out to tell you that he didn't make it. Like, well, what, what did he die from? Like, I don't know. He's just old, man. I don't, we didn't even try. Marcus. Oh, well, again, they're at Puxatawney, so it's different. Because remember when he goes to see the psychiatrist, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, you're something special. I got my first alcoholic today, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just felt like like in, in the, the hospital, they were like, they didn't really they didn't really try. He's like a homeless guy. Yeah, who cares? You know, he passed away. Huh? And then and then after that, I think it's kind oh, of Oh, he does that. He, he does that every week. He fakes still yeah. death to get some money to get some money in a free, you know, right. free, you know, free hot in a car. You I, know. I just think it's funny that like, you know, after the two times that Bill Murray tries to save him, that's it. Like, it's just like, all right, we gave it a good shot. But uh, he that, that old, old homeless guy, he kind of like fades out of the movie's existence uh, at that point. It's just like, yeah, we tried. But, you know, I think the interesting uh, thing about Groundhog Day is that we're really expected to um, see Bill Murray as this guy who is slowly falling for Rita. But at the same time, I feel like the movie doesn't do a great job of setting that up, like setting up the fact that he really, really likes Rita. Like it almost again, like you said, it feels like gaslighting for a really long time. Like he's just kind of like, well, I want to sleep with this lady. Like I haven't gotten this one. So I'm going to make it my goal to sleep with this lady. And then he kind of suddenly falls in love with her. But, you know, for, for the longest time, he's really not interested in her. There's that one point where he's with, I think it was, I think it's with Nancy. And then he says Rita at one point. And she's like, who? It's like, oh, Nancy, Nancy. But I don't know that the movie does a great job of like really selling the fact that like, oh, he's really falling for Rita. It kind of happened suddenly. I think it would be better if by the end we know how many times, like, it's actually repeated. Mm, yeah, you don't Hon know that. Yep. Honestly, it's got to be, like, an eternity, though, because the fact that by the end of the film that he's, everybody in that town, he knows everything that's going on. Yeah. You know, with their lives, what they're doing at each moment, it has to be, well, like. I mean, he learns it, how to ice sculpt and play the piano. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, so it's like, it's got a long time. It, it has to be like an eternity for him to, you know, know like, oh, this kid's gonna fall out of the tree at this time, and you know, this lady's tire's gonna blow out, and I'm gonna go over and save it, and I'm gonna, you know, all the things he does. So, I feel like the worst part of this reliving the day wouldn't be the fact that you actually have to relive the day, because like you could you could decide to do whatever you wanted, like like him, he's like he starts reading like poetry and stuff, like books, like great, you could read all the books you wanted to. Like during your days, but no, what he decides to do, which I think would be awful is he, you know, he has wants to learn piano. So every day he's got to go to that lady's house and every day he's got to give her the same spiel, like, uh, kick out that girl. I'll give you, th you know, I give you a thousand dollars, explain it all. That seems like so tiring. I know, but it's so it is funny though when like the first time she he goes up there like I need to learn piano and she's like I'm in the middle of teaching a student right now he's like I'll give you a thousand dollars and she takes the poor like eighth grader with her books and throws her out in the yeah she gets she gets the hook <laughs> <laughs> pulled off stage see you later little girl.
Like, like that, that is really funny. <laughs> but I think that would be the worst part is having to explain the situation over and over and over again. Like, oh yeah. Well, not like that. Well, not like that though. Like when he's like trying to seduce Frida, and you're like, oh. I don't like chocolate. I white chocolate. He's like, don't like white chocolate. Then they play the scene again. This time he's like, you know, changing it up. And, you know, and like gets a little further out of the day. And then he realizes like, oh, I should have said that. Like, you know, oh, you buy your in poetry? That's stupid. And then, you know, she gets really to say, he's like, that's not stupid. And then like does the day again. Like, you know, because you still have to go through the rest of the day. So like you're literally like running through the day to get to that point you fucked up and you're like well i got another 18 hours to you know go through it again you know yeah it's like video game speed running yeah it's like ah oh, shit i fucked up at the you know just at the the finale so i'm yeah. gonna have to do it all over again I, load less checkpoint load less check i guess i guess in this situation you know if he really truly wanted to didn't want to finish out the day he could just kill himself because that seems to work to just reset the day over and over again like, we see him in, in a variety of ways killing himself, and the one that, you know, is probably the best is when he steals Phil the, the groundhog and drive, takes him on a little joyride, drives around, and then eventually they <laughs> he he's, plays chicken with the, the cops and Brian Doyle Murray, and Brian Doyle Murray's just like, just make sure you aim high because we don't want to shoot the uh, the groundhog. Make sure you don't do that. So, you know, he... he uh, he kills himself in a nice little fiery uh, explosion with his car. And I think the best part of that is when Chris Elliott remarks like, oh, I think he'll be okay. Like, he could still be okay with that that uh, car crash. And then you see the car catch on fire and explode. And he's like, well, he's not going to be okay now. I think that's probably the best part. <clears throat> so um, what what do you think about, like, what, what, should, what do you think is his the the best day that we see from uh bill murray's perspective like what's the most fun day i think the first couple when he's like uh still trying to know, figure it out yeah trying to figure everything out you know when he goes to the diner and meets up with the you know but you know the hicks that he becomes friends with and he gets drunk you know starts drunk driving on the tracks you know yeah I think for me, the best one, the one that I like the most is actually towards the end when he, he like puts it all together and like he, he, he says, I got to go out for some errands and then he literally like saves everybody. And then at the end of the day, they're at the dance, uh, him and Rita and he, everybody just keeps coming up to him. Like, I can't believe you saved my life. So you, you saved our marriage. Like we got, we got married. Now the thing that the one thing I don't like about this movie is I like the fact that him being stuck in this time loop is like, uh, it's his own self-created hell, essentially. Because he hates, he hates Groundhog Day, he hates going on this assignment, he's an asshole to everybody, thinks only of himself, very egotistical, so he gets, you know, stuck in his own hell. Essentially, you know, it's like the motif going on here, right? Mm -hmm. What does he learn at the end? He doesn't really learn anything at the end. Because he spends an eternity, and he's like, how do I get rid of this? He just starts running around, saving everybody, and doing all this shit, because he's learned the patterns, you know, of the day, because he's been doing it for an eternity. At the end, he turns into Billy Joel, <laughs> and gets to have, you know, sex with Rita, and wakes up, and it's the next day. 
Like he didn't learn anything at the end. He didn't be. He didn't really become a better person. We get to see that like three quarters of the way through when he starts like, hey, I, I talked to this person over, like when he brings like the coffee and donuts. He's like, hey, I brought this for you guys. And by the way, like you know, we'll get a really good shot here. That's what they said. And they're like, oh, thanks for you know looking out for us. And he's like, yeah. And he talks to Larry, and he's like, Larry, you know, we never really got to know each other. And he starts talking. Like, that's what he's supposed to be learning, like, to be a better person, you know, and that should be the point, like, you know, to, like, Scrooge, right? To feel the cheer of Groundhog Day and learn to be a better person. But by the end, he's still kind of an asshole. He didn't learn anything. He just fell in love because it's, he's been living in eternity, you know, staring at Rita, and he's like, I, I like her. Well, I, I feel like the idea is that you know, it has to be Rita who truly loves him, you know, instead of him forcing it onto her. So, you know, at that one point that he does, well, that's get, a lot, of, that's a lot of work to accomplish in a day. That's true. I mean, he does get, he does get back to the, uh, you know, that one time where he takes, he does everything right throughout the day. He takes her back to his apartment and yet she's just not swayed. Cause he's, you know, he's like, you should stay the night kind of forces it on her and then starts being sort of like sexually assaulty. Um, to be honest with you, great whistle. Yeah, really just starts, you know, climbing all over her. And then, so that, that ends up not working out. So like it didn't, it didn't work at that point, but at the end of the, at the, you know, the day that he actually finishes the one that where he can move on, you know, he, he made it to the point where she actually was attracted to him to actually liking him. Um, because of all it, it to, to be fair like you can you again you can argue that none of that is really relevant to this um uh to to her actually loving him it's more like gaslighting because he's just done all these things rotely like he remembers how to do them and and i don't know like i guess i guess the 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 idea is coming to this point that you wouldn't i guess you wouldn't learn to do piano you wouldn't take piano lessons for you know days and weeks and months every doing it every single day until you were good like you know him playing you know billy becomes joel. billy joel at the end yeah <laughs> i i mean i guess you wouldn't do that unless you truly cared about the person that you were looking to impress or like i guess the ice sculpture thing you know being able to sculpt an ice sculpture and sculpting her in and how he sees her um is another you know way that the film tries to play off the fact that like no it's not just gaslighting he's also doing all of these things because he truly cares um, I could see it both ways though. It is kind of creepy in a way. Like it, it is, it's, it's just like he has the ability to do these things. So he just learns it so that he can get in her pants at the same time. I guess you could argue that he could do that with any woman. It didn't have to be Rita and it might, might even be a little bit easier than, than his, you know, his obsession with Rita. So I guess it's true love after all, but the film does come kind of come across in like that nineties way of it's kind of a little bit skeevy. But at the same time, I guess it's I guess it's romance. You just need to play the John Williams score at the end of Home Alone. Yeah. I guess I guess it's I guess it's technically romance. She's kind of fooled into it. I I kind of wish that you would then like you know after Groundhog Day ends and he that he moves on in his life. Like what happens after that? Like sure. Well, maybe he wants he wanted them to move to Puxatawney. Yeah. Like I mean that we don't really get to see it. Like do they go go back to? Uh, uh, Pittsburgh and like get ready to move and then start having like this fallout like it's not they're like you're an a you're still an asshole like I I can see it him kind of going back to the way he was um after he leaves you know it's it's not gonna last forever he's kind of 
is he truly a changed man or does he just go back to his his old self or they realize that they're not right for each other <laughs> it's it's kind of nice to think about it because they just kind of run off into the winter the, the beauty of a, a snowy day but you know do they really survive all the plights of <laughs> romance but that's what you get from uh, rom-coms you don't really get to see the aftermath you just get to see like the immediate like yeah we have an attraction to each other right now the, the fire burning passionately where's the where's the sequel to that like well what happened oh well we've been broken up for forever yeah <laughs> uh she took my tv yeah really <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i i i i feel like the movie is a little bit skeevy but you know at this it, like if you were to think about it like like a guy who sets out for an entire year that tries to impress a woman just because of he knows the things that she likes, it'd probably be a little weird. So. The alphas watch this to, intently. I'm like, that's what you gotta do. Absolutely. It's not like, it's kind of like, like thinking about it now, it's kind of skeevy, but at the same time, it's, it, I still think it's, you know, it's fun and it's charming because it's got that, you know, Bill Murray, Harold Ravis, you know. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it does. It definitely does have a charm to it. Um, and Bill Murray definitely knows how to turn on the charm at points. Like, he knows how to be a really good asshole. He knows how to do the charm, too, because he does it very well at the end of the movie, you know, as he's starting to figure out what he likes about Rita and, and why he wants to do this. Um, he definitely turns on the charm, and you can see why he's good at that. Um, so did you notice, too, there's a, you know, the couple that get married in this movie? Um, where he convinces first yeah. he kind of talks him out of it and then he convinces them to get married. Um, the guy is Michael Shannon, who has been in um, a variety of roles now. He's in like The Shape of Water and he was uh, in The Night of. He played like the the guy who was selling everybody weed. Um, but it's hard to I like I didn't notice it at first because he's so young in this movie. I didn't even and he doesn't even get like a uh, on on IMDb. He's not even in the top cast area. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he makes a really quick cameo appearance. At that point, he really wasn't anything. He plays the one of the, the guy that's getting married. You know who's even more a better cameo? Who's that? Harold Ramis. Yeah, who's he play? I didn't know. The neurologist. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep, <laughs> yep. He does play the neurologist. Sorry, real quick. And I like that too. He's like. What did they perform then? An X-ray? Because they were like, "Well, we I guess, yeah." Because like, do it. we can't the do MRI. MRIs or CAT scans or anything. But they're showing him like an interior look at his his head. <laughs> like we can't we can't do any of that stuff in one day. It does look like a vet clinic too, and like, yeah, where he's like, <laughs> I know. You know, it's funny too. I will say it's great too. The fact that the time loop just kind of occurred on its own too. Like, Bill Murray isn't Jack Frosted where he's, like, driven off a road and, you know, you'd expect in this movie when, like, trying to get back to Pittsburgh in the blizzard, like, they'd get that's, a car accident. Yeah, that's gonna... Car accident, like, they all die or something, and that's why it keeps repeating. You know, that would make more kind of thematic sense with, like, you know, being stuck in purgatory. But not in this case. But the fact, but the fact that just, like, okay, they go back, you know, to Buxitani after they can't get through when the state trooper blocks them and tells them to go back home and then he goes to bed and then he wakes up and the day it's just repeating you know yeah it's it's anticlimactic but it works uh yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I would, and one thing that I think is interesting too is like, why Groundhog Day? Like, what was the, what was the main appeal of setting it on Groundhog Day specifically? Because now, after Groundhog Day, we always think of Groundhog Day and we're like, oh yeah, deja vu. But like at the time in 1993, that wasn't a thing. So why Groundhog Day? Why not, you know, any other? Why not President's Day? <laughs> yeah, you know, we're here covering President's Day. You know, it's just weird. There's like Groundhog Day specifically was the day that they thought of to do this movie about deja vu on. Don't know why. Uh, according to Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, Ruben, the main writer, opened up a calendar and picked the nearest holiday. Oh, well, there you go. It could have been President's Day. Could have been Martin Luther King Day. It's part of the zeitgeist, though. So it is you know. now. Yeah, it's just it was just interesting. It's like what made them <laughs> choose Groundhog Day. But there you have it. He just picked a day. It's pretty innocuous, so it fits. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. What do you think about the um, the score in this movie? It's just got that early '90s comedic, you know, comedy whims- whimsicalness about yeah, it. Yeah, it definitely has that whimsy. Yeah, you know, like you're watching like Mrs. Like Christopher Columbus film, basically. Sure. Like you know, like Mrs. Doubtfire, like do 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 Compared to the other Bill Murray movies, what do you th- do? You think this one is um, funnier, not as funny? What do you think? Huh. That's a tough question, and <laughs> the main reason being um, is my I loved Bill Murray too, big fan. Um, top Bill Murray for me is always going to be his late nineties to mid twenty tens, like dry. Wes Anderson run mm-hmm. you know like nothing will ever top you know the Royal Tent Moms uh, him as Raleigh be like oh I just want to die <laughs> <laughs> you know it's Groundhog Day is pretty funny there's but I don't think there was a lot of points where I remember laughing out loud mm-hmm like, I was kind of snickering throughout, but there, I, like the only time I, I remember laughing really hard is when he was, like, in the diner, like, talking, uh, when he's like, I am God. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what God, but I am God, you know. Uh, I'd say it's, like, mid-level Bill Murray mm-hmm. for on the comedy level. It's really good, but it's not like I don't know about you. I I just wasn't like you know. I I, I don't find Groundhog Day to be uproarious. It's not like him and Kingpin like you know grabbing every woman's ass and you know being a do- total douchebag. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's like extremely funny, but I think it has its moments of either being you know somewhat funny or you know kind of one of those internal laughs that you get. You know, it's, or like situationally it's funny um i think there are probably there are better bill murray movies i think like you know it's it's not intended to be one of his funniest either it's more of like a like i said it's it's more of a rom-com it's more of 
it's melding the comedy with the romance. And even though we don't necessarily tend to think of movies like this as a rom-com, I think that's exactly what it is. Um, I, th I think that that's, it's, it's not intended to like be hilarious. Um, so I think it hits, it, it hits what it should. And it's not overwhelmingly funny or not funny. And that's pretty much all I got to say about Groundhog Day. What about you? Anything else that we didn't cover? You know, I wish I took notes because there's a couple of things, but uh, I did. So <laughs> <laughs> they're lost. <laughs> um, but no, it, it it's a really good, real fun movie. Uh, it's definitely something worth watching. Um, it's definitely some you know. It's got that nice, timeless Bill Murray humor and Harold Ramis, you know, direction. Harold Ramis, you know, is uh, kind of an unsung hero if, uh, when it comes to his films. Like, well, he you didn't know. direct much, but he, you know, the ones... When he did, yeah. you want to say when he did, you know, did a great job. All right, so I guess we should rate Groundhog Day. So on a scale of uh, zero to ten... Um, somewhat, somewhat hideous, but meant to be romantic ice sculptures. What would you give Groundhog Day? I'll give it an eight out of ten. I like Groundhog Day. Love it quite a bit. It's a good, fun story. Um, Bill Murray is, you know, very good in this. Plays top-notch asshole as he always does. Uh, real charming, real smarmy, real douchebaggy. But you can still root for him and like him because he's Bill Murray. Uh, <clears throat> Andy McDowell as Rita, she, she, I do think she's pretty, you know, charming. She's kind of like a Southern Julia Louis Dreyfus. Uh, she's pretty charming throughout. Uh, I think they could have given her a little bit more to do, like to kind of flesh her out instead of just kind of being, you know, there at times. Mm -hmm. Um. Recurring characters, Larry's, you know, fine. I love Ned. Uh, Steven Toblowski is kind of like what I imagined, like, if they had Jim Carrey in the role. Because he's like, ah, with all the facial expressions and the rubberiness. You know, he does a real good job and he's real funny. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It's You're right. I I think the wrong communist, too, is kind of, you know, you're going to either be able to take or leave. it Because it is... Pretty strong rom commy, you know. It, there's that whole scene when he's talking to Rita in the diner, explaining basically everything that's going to happen every second, and he knows everyone, blah blah blah, explaining why he's God, is basically kind of like when you know Harry met Sally, when like I love the way you look, you know, you know I look, you know, doing the whole Billy Crystal shtick. Uh, film can be corny. Yeah, you know, but it it is what it is. It's a above average, really fun, enjoyable uh, rom com, and it's got some good bits and some good jokes that are really funny. Not anything that's gonna make you laugh out loud, but a lot of little quick little one liners and quips. Um, so I'd say an eight out of ten. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I would probably give it an eight out of ten as well. I think it's a fun movie. It has a uh, a nice uh, match of humor and you know romance, especially if you're 
going to be this with Groundhog's Day. You're coming up to like the Valentine's Day season as well. And I guess that matches with our theme too. We wanted to do a Valentine's Day episode and hey, here's one that's got some nice romance to it. So we're going to call it like it is. And it's a Groundhog Day slash Valentine's Day uh, movie for you. Um, I think that it does a really good job of um, managing the same day over and over again where you don't get too bored of it. It doesn't get a little bit long, but I think that's intentional as well. Like you're you're also waiting like Bill Murray for this day to be over. Um, and it does a good job of like doing the same scene twice or three times and like cutting back to it. Like so you, you'll see it happen one time, he messes up, he comes back and it just kind of cuts back to the scene, scene again. Starts right in the same moment that we saw it in the last time. I think he does a good job of that, and Harold Dermis does good direction there. Um, Bill Murray's great. I think he does a really good job as being a weatherman. Like he delivers that really well. The, all the weatherman lines too is the the best hey, scene hey, is hey, when he first it? meets with the lady in the inn, and she's like, <laughs> "Oh, you're a weatherman." He's like, "There's gonna be a blizzard moving in to the from the north," and yeah, it's, he does a great job of that. It's hilarious, like with all the sarcasm. Him on the, I would say him on the green screen, push like you know, oh, <laughs> you know, blow, you know, blowing the storm like, yeah, it was real funny. Yeah, I think he does a good job with the weatherman stuff. Like as a reporter, he he's he's great at that. Um, and I, he's he's really funny here as well, and he does the asshole smarminess and the you know more tenderness bet really well too. So it's a, it's a great uh, duality for him in this movie. And Andy McDowell is is good as well. I think she. Uh, is a suitable love interest, and uh, she has great hair. <laughs> it's like an elf. Charlotte, you've, you've got great hair. just want to let you know. It's great hair. But anyway, no, I had a lot of fun with the Groundhog Day. I'm glad I watched it again. It's been a while since I've seen it, so it's good to good to have it and watch it again. So I guess um, we're probably not going to do a Valentine's Day episode because consider this one the Valentine's Day episode as well. Um, so what do you want to do next time? I don't know. I was thinking something like um, a Polizia Teski or something. That'd be kind of cool. <clears throat> yeah, we've been waiting to do one of those. Yeah. Um, something like that might be might be fun right up our alley. I don't think there's, um, after Valentine's Day, I don't really think there's anything else coming up that we need to uh, immediately get to. Scream 6 is coming out soon in March. Um, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Those are trailers for this? Yeah. He's in New York City. It's going to be two hours and three minutes long. Are you fucking kidding me? In regular Scream fashion. Yeah, it's coming out. Wow. March wow. 10th, I think. Wow. Wikipedia. There'll, wow. Be, a, there'll be a trailer got Courtney, during the Super Bowl, too. You got Courtney Cox top billing in the cast list, but on the starring side, she's at the bottom. So you know what she's not doing? Starring in the film. <laughs> yeah, right. It's to that. Yeah, no, it, it comes out March 10th. So we'll probably go to the theater to see that one. Stop. Don't lie to me like that. No, go to the theater. Oh, hey, Hayden Pants in the Air survives. That's good. Yep, she's back. So that will be on the docket. We'll be sure to do that one when it comes out. Everybody loves Hayden Pants in the Air, Kirby Reed from Scream 4. Kirby! I don't care what you say. Scream 4. Terrific. Listen to her if you want. That's right. All right. So we'll we'll be back with uh, probably a Polizia Teske next time. And then, you know, we'll play it by ear from there. Probably. I think Scream 6 will be like 
in a few episodes, but we'll get there. Probably with our luck, we won't get it around here. I know. <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening to our episode on Groundhog Day. We hope you enjoyed it, even though it was late and you're reliving the uh, the holiday again. Um, here, here's the big question about Scream 6. Why? Is Creed doing the music? I hope so. What if? What if? What if? I hope so. <laughs> so if, if you want to hear our coverage of other stuff and want to hear us throw shit together and be late about it and stuff like that, <laughs> you should definitely subscribe to us on pretty much any podcasting app you can think of. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Homebase, or Inker. Oh, I heard, uh, sorry, but it's on the Scream theme, B2. I heard, uh, I know you did last summer. It's getting a reboot. Yep. Sequel. A sequel or show sequel is what they were saying. Yep. Can't wait for to do that. Yep. Should be fun. Um, where is I? Uh, subscribe to us. Leave a nice <laughs> review. We appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter. You can just find us on there. Search for us, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Like us. Uh, follow us, tweet us, whatever you want to do. We also also have a an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail dot com. Write to us, let you know, let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, what movies you want to hear us cover, and we'll keep that in consideration. Uh, and you can donate to us on our Patreon, on our Anchor FM page, um, probably on Apple Podcasts too. Uh, anything you can donate, uh, we'll use towards beer. So thanks in advance. We'll put that to good use. Uh, so until next time, um, when we do our Policia Teski for, uh, an episode in two weeks, we hope you had fun and until then, take care.